Welcome to Jello the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. For this month's episode, we're talking all about the wild and wonderful fest that is the Chattanooga Film Festival. I'm also going to dive into Crazy Desires of a Murderer from 1977 and let you know whether it's worth your time. To discuss the fantastic features and short films featured at this year's Chattanooga Film Festival, I'm joined by a returning guest. He's a frequent contributor to Jello Month Club, and I'm happy to have him back on this episode. It's Wade Brown! Hey, you did ask me, and I was like, uh, yeah, I was waiting for you to ask me, because I was also at Chattanooga. <laughs> I was like, you know what would be fun? To just talk about movies. Yeah. It's been officially one week since the festival ended. It ends, it goes right into Joe Bob, right into, I went to two concerts, I went to a wrestling event, then it was 4th of July, work. It's been a week. I hear you. Um, I took the whole week off for Chattanooga. Uh, also, because Final Fantasy 16 came out on PlayStation 5. So, my fiance was very, like, didn't see me much. Uh, because it was just me playing video games for, like, eight hours. And then watching movies for eight hours. And, and playing, I didn't sleep much. <laughs> I didn't sleep much. And then Joe Bob was a thing. And it's just, it was, you know. Time well spent. So, I yes, there's there's cat uh, action happening on both ends of this virtual episode. So, last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. It's back. It's back. We had Sharknado. Yes, I, I think I didn't watch that episode. I think I did not watch the Sharknado episode. Amsterdam's? Oh, you missed uh, it. I, no, I know Amsterdam played. I'm like, that's something. Yes, we talked about that film on this podcast. What was I doing? I was doing something. Sharknado. That was two weeks ago. Yes, this week was um, Scarecrow. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which I was enthralled with. I was having some feelings. Oh, really? Yeah, it affected me deeply. Like a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching film. That I had never heard of until Joe Bob, and then... I've always seen the cover. Like, like, I worked at the movie store, I was like, it was always on DVD, that cover. I didn't enjoy having those feelings, but I enjoyed watching the movie, and of course I enjoyed that evening. Just with Joe Bob and Darcy and Ernie. Yeah, and we learned how to get rid of ticks. What? We learned how to get rid oh, of ticks. Oh, ticks! I was like, yeah. get rid of what? <laughs> uh, and then Beyond the Door 3 played? Yeah. And uh, at that point, we were just playing Guess Who. I never played Guess Who before. We, she got like a bunch of stuff from the thrift store. She got like Guess Who, a Jenga, all kinds of stuff. And I never played Guess Who, so we, it was the high school edition. Oh, so like, that's one of, the, one of the questions was: Would your character be lo- most likely to be called Boner Boy? <laughs> It's a real thing. Uh, who is most likely to take their mother's happy pills? Like, what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It was, so, it was Beyond the Door 3, I don't know, an endless train ride. I had no idea. Based on the synopsis and based on the poster, I did not think there was going to be a train or a train for the entire film. 
I had I had one in the background, and I was like, oh, that woman's face is being ripped off. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so it's like Snowpiercer. No. Oh. It's not like Snowpiercer. Oh, no, not like Snowpiercer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... It's a movie. It is a movie. It is a movie. I also don't know who the lady is. It's on all the promotional art. I feel like that was just like, after the movie came out, they're like, we gotta make some better art. We probably had some terrible poster. Let's make better art. And they just took a picture of it. I guess. Yes, I've been on in a while. So I was like, what haven't I talked about on here? For I, most recently, I watched I Know What You Did Last Summer for the first time ever. Whoa! I've seen bits and pieces, and I did have a big crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a 90s slasher film. So have you seen the sequels, or none I, of them? No, but I saw the poster for the second one as Mackay Pfeiffer, and I'm like, oh, this is dated. This so is real dated. The sequels um, are not good. No, I don't think so, but this movie was was fun. The whole plot twist at the end is just like, wait, what? Who? What? It's a little confusing. Oh, with the and name? With the name? No, yeah, wait, that's like, the second one. What? What's the plot twist of the first one? The plot twist is, like, they didn't run over David Egan. They ran over someone else or something like that, and then... So I thought, is David Egan the killer? No, it's the person they ran over is the killer. And it was just so confusing. And Haitian's in it. Talking mm-hmm. about stuff. I don't know. But aside from that, like, big big, big movies that came out. I did see Across the Spider-Verse. I saw that, too. It's super fun. Peter Parchcar is the best character. <laughs> I've been uh, putting my Alamo Drafthouse season pass to use the past yeah. few weeks. Well, let me ask you, uh, did you also catch Super Mario Brothers movie? I did! I like that better than the Spider-Verse movie. It's super fun. Uh, I like, uh, I forget the character. I forget the character name from like, Super Mario Galaxy. But the little star that's <laughs> in the cage. Oh, the, the very depressing star. Yes. That's my life. That's, that's, I so relate to that character. I think it was like, Rosal- not Rosalie, it's someone else, someone. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Okay. Uh, I'm finally just done Marvel movies, I guess. That was, like, the last thread of, like, I gotta watch these movies. Yeah. And that's it. No, I I can pick and choose. Uh, and lastly, I watched this, the trailer, months ago, and I thought, oh, this is awful. This is gonna be terrible. I watched the Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, it's, it's it streaming actually, now. It is. It's on, I believe, Paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised. I really enjoyed watching that movie. It's just, it's a fun, like medieval film. It's fun. It's not gonna be, it's not dour like Green Knights or The Northmen or as big as The Lord of the Rings. But I think it's super fun. Hugh Grant is a menace. <laughs> As he always is, since the Paddington movie. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I highly enjoyed it. Uh, I'm behind a lot of things. I didn't watch Bo Isn't Afraid. I didn't watch... Uh, I'm just behind a lot of movies. I'm going to catch up, though, pretty soon. I saw okay. Asteroid City. I like that. Ooh, that's one of the things that's on my list to watch. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Um, I felt like it sort of just ends, but for what is actually 
happening before it just ends, I really liked it. That's been on my list of like things to watch, but it's just like after Chattanooga, I've just been like done with movies for a little bit. Yeah, I I squeezed in a, a few. I think this weekend might be another draft house visit with the kid, and we're gonna go see the Trolls movie. There's a new uh, Trolls movie? I don't think it's new Trolls. I think it's the old one. Trolls concert. Trolls. World tour. World tour. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I have to be very selective of which movies I take her to because, you know, they have the don't talk, don't text rules and she's insane um, at the movie theater. Except for when we saw the Super Mario Brothers movie, she sat down her third time seeing it and she sat the whole time. Which I'm like, my girl, I love it. And she also was wearing a Princess Peach dress, so, like, I was a little jealous. Yeah, again, I really, really like that movie. Much, like, I liked it more than Into the Spider-Verse, and I think there are many reasons. One, the changing of the styles sort of hurt hurt my brain. I didn't mind that it's a part, you know, part two of three, but they didn't advertise it as such. So I thought that it was a little jarring because I did feel like I was like, oh, they're like totally when's this movie going to end? They're like setting up a whole yeah. a whole nother act and then it ends. And I heard it delayed it. So it's like, oh, so other than all of these movies that we've been seeing and catching up on, we attended Chattanooga Film Festival. Virtually. Virtually. Yes. Both of us. So if you were looking for us, we weren't there. No, we weren't there. I had a few people message me before the festival, and I had to let them know that I was not going to be there in person one day. Yeah. One day I'll be there in person. Maybe um, it should be a child of the month panel. Ooh, I would very much enjoy that. You're listening? Chad did you listening? <laughs> Named by Movie Maker Magazine as one of the top 25 coolest film festivals in the world, Chattanooga Film Festival turned 10 this year. The festival returned in person and virtually for its 10th year, taking place from June 23rd through the 29th. 41 feature films, nightly secret screenings, and an always eventful Discord channel made the hybrid event a total blast. I enjoyed myself immensely. It was so, so much fun, even though I was just at home watching movies. I watched every short film available, and it was time well spent for me. Here's the lowdown on what I loved with my top four favorites from each of the four short blocks. Yeah, uh, I watched 60 films. I tallied it up 60, which broke the record for the previous two years, which was like, I think it was like 52 and 42. Most of them were short, so I didn't watch all these features. There's not 60 features. <laughs> there are 41. People, there are 41 features. When I tell people like, oh, I've watched 60 movies, they're like, it's shorts. It's shorts. Oh, okay, okay. I had a playoff Final Fantasy. It sunk like 50 hours in that game. <laughs> and my PlayStation almost blew up because it overheats because of that game. It was actually the first movie I watched was The Bigfoot Trap. From Aaron Mirtes, I believe his name Mirtes or Mirtz. Um, basically, it's about um, <laughs> a vice, like a vice reporter. This might not age well, so I know vice is going bankrupt. Um, but you know, this vice reporters like, oh, put the microphone on the street, stuff like that. Um, he gets himself involved with uh, some Bigfoot believers that mm-hmm. have a trap. Mm-hmm. And it's not what it seems. Yeah, the movie definitely takes a turn I didn't expect it to. 
And it was, like, surprisingly, like, heartfelt. I felt like it was a lot deeper. Like, I thought it was just going to be, like, a silly, goofy, whatever, Bigfoot mockumentary. Yeah, it definitely went places that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really fun. Um, it just definitely took these turns. There's a, there's one point where, like, uh, we feel bad for Red. I'm thinking, why? Why do we feel bad for Red? And it's Fred Cat. It wasn't Kyle. It was Cat. <laughs> I do like the ending. Like a good twist on the character. Who, by the way, the character lives in the smallest apartment I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's him and his girlfriend just living in, like, a small, small bedroom, watching TV. And you're just like, this, this is a very small living It's supposed room. to be New York, though, isn't it? Oh, it, it must be, like, Probably. the smallest New York apartment ever. Which is all of so, them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first short showcase that I will talk about is CFF Salutes Your Shorts, which is the Tennessee-grown independent short films. So it's all, they're all local films. Four favorite from that block are Anya. That was good one. Which it's kind of spooky. Punch the Boss, which had a little bit of a twist at the end, which I enjoyed. Solitude, which is again like dark humor, oh, little yeah. little bit of a t- twist. Um, and the businessman, which right before I watched that one, I had watched something else, or I was talking to someone about how when we were children, they would get us to sell candy bars and magazines. Like, why were they putting us to work as kids? And then I watched this businessman <laughs> short, and I'm like, I'm like, oh no, it's real. The horror is real. <laughs> yeah, sell those pizzas and those uh, candy bars. Right? Those, like, real, although I kind of like those pizzas. Those delicious. <laughs> I uh, wonder if they still do that. They do. Okay. Uh, I have to find out where, I forget the name. I guess I'll probably find out in a few years. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But, so those are my four favorite from that that shorts block. Congratulations to everyone who was in, in that block. Again, I'm just naming four from each because if I was to go on and on, I'd probably name every short in every block. But I definitely wanted to showcase my top four favorites from each block. Those are full, those all four of them are pretty fun to watch. Um, the don't punch the boss was very like. Because I've been really into, like, a lot of... Uh, I think you should leave with uh, Tim Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very that humor. Yes. But maybe dial down a little bit, because that show is 211. <laughs> Next feature for me is uh, a movie from the Braxtons called Sour Party. It's a fun one. It's a fun little, like, millennial, directionless kind of movie. Um, I think the second half is much better than the first half. The first half is like quirky comedy, and then it gets real deep in the halfway mm-hmm. point, and I feel like, oh, this is where it should really focus, I think. I like how they're, they're losers, and they kind of stay losers. Also, there's a cameo. From a certain there cameo. is. From a certain Goonie, I'll leave it at that. It's fun. There's... One part that kind of takes me out of it is, like, it's very real, but then they get into a part where there's, like, yellow smoke. Oh. It kind of loses, like, this is very based in reality, but that's not. I think that part would make, like, a good short film. It reminds me, it's like the, uh, like, this generation's Dude, Where's My Car? Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, just kind of like the two losers, like, 
that have nothing going for them, have to do a simple task, one buying a car, one getting uh, something from the baby registry. So, yeah. Sour Party, I thought it was pretty humorous and fun. Um, definitely a, a movie to check out. Also, that car could run a lot of miles, being almost on empty. That stressed me out, which I guess was the point. <laughs> yeah, that stressed me out. That part, everything, everything else, eh. But that part stressed me out. Yeah, the gas, the not having gas. <laughs> yeah. My next shorts block is Fun Size Epics. Big world building, but bite size runtime. First one, Cafe Cicatrice. I didn't see that one. Uh, the black and white one that with the mask. Sick. Okay. Well, that one, I, I liked it, and there was had a little surprise uh, under a mask, but I will not spoil it. I'm going to try to keep this mostly spoiler-free. <laughs> uh, Farmer Ed. You didn't watch that one? Oh, you would have... Man, I should have... We should have been texting throughout this. Between the Discord channel and the social media, I'm like... My brain was frazzled. I, maybe, I guess, maybe could have added a text chain in there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Farmer Ed, I feel like you would like. There's a scene in it that reminds me of Twin Peaks a little bit. It's about a farmer who finds a brain that he ends up being like buddies with, and the brain takes over him, it kind of puts him in this like dream world, and it's weird. It's very weird, but it's cool, like science fiction. Cool. Speaking of speaking of Twin Peaks, I've got to mention Sour Party has one of the best puns: Twin Sneaks. Except for no one brings sneakers in. Yeah. Greetings. Which oh, I, I did see this. I thought that the premise of it was very, very unique and very smart. They won the audience award for best short. I like that one a lot. It's about a, a lady that works in Britain America and every week it's someone's birthday and she has to write, you know, in the card reluctantly and then they sort of determine that whatever she writes in the card ends up coming true. So if she says, have an awesome day, you have the most awesome day ever. And then they start using it like, maybe you should write win the lottery. Maybe you should write, like, hope you get engaged. Those sort of thing. And then, of course, when it comes to her birthday, no one remembers and she doesn't get a card. And then it kind of takes a turn from there and the turn is brilliant and i really really enjoyed greetings i thought it was a great short film let's just say it'll shut your butthole up <laughs> shut that. your butthole <laughs> um and my fourth favorite short from the fun size epic showcase i've actually talked about this on the podcast before this particular short it's the five fingers of a dog of course, I had to talk about Justin Landsman's film, Friend of the Podcast. Really, really enjoy this one. Justin brought it to Chattanooga. The gothic neo Jala short is infused with Cosmic Dread, Fever Dreams. Has an amazing, amazing score throughout. You can find more details about the film in the upcoming screenings at the Five Fingers of a Dog film on Instagram. But that's one that I definitely was happy to watch again. So, so, so happy um, and proud to see that it made it in the fun size epics block of short films. And it was really, really cool to see. I love the, I love the score. The score is very 70s. 
where it's not like, oh, it's Goblin. It's going to be bombastic and synths and stuff like that. It was very, like, just a 70s kind of, like, piano and guitar. It was very authentic. Yeah, and that's another one that definitely takes a turn. You know, it's not just a straight-up Jalo. It's not a straight-up police procedural takes a little bit of a, a turn and it's it's a really unique one so again shout out to justin and the entire team that worked on five fingers of a dog also i want to shout out for that short is uh the lead character the detective is uh asian which you don't see much on jalo one another reason that i really really like that film and i hope that it just continues to play festivals my next feature is hmm, which one do i want to go with the, the last movie ever made it was actually the last movie I watched uh, oh. because I, I timed it that way. By Nathan Blackwell. Yeah. It's uh, basically uh, they find out they're in a simulation uh, and they have 15 days until the end. The, the simulation ends and basically the world ends. So this guy who's like our age, in their 30s, just kind of like, what I do with my life, you know? And they find some old videos they did back in the day. It's like, let's finish this movie. And he gathers all his friends, his ex-wife, stuff like that. Um, or his girlfriend, um, and they make a movie in 15 days. Like, it's real, like... Oh, it's like they were trying to finish his film that he started, like, in high school or something, right? Yeah. And then cool. Had, uh, That's like, cool. The, the guy, the, the neighbor, this old man who has a camera, is like, you know, I, I guess I'll film it. And, it, you know, it's very, like, the 30 serials, stuff like that, like Flash yeah. Gordon. Uh, it's super fun and heartfelt, uh, mm. as I uh, think... The main character is very unlikable. Uh, he's kind of selfish, but he becomes you know, selfless in the end. It's it's. I feel like movies like Ed Wood, but like a little more low budget, independent. I think you'll like this film. Cool. Well, speaking of um, stuff that's a little little weird and off putting, uh, WTF shorts. When you were talking about the world ending, it sort of reminded me of We Forgot About the Zombies short film. Oh, Did yeah. you end up watching that one? <laughs> like, are they distracting themselves? Um, and that's on my list uh, for my top four of the WTF shorts. Watch these, watch these films shorts. We Forgot About the Zombies. I did, in fact, forget about the zombies. Um, yes. And I had a good laugh along the way. <laughs> the, whole, the whole time you're thinking, what? Could be also confused with cure. Yeah. The whole time to think, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. <laughs> it did deliver. Don't let Kyle sit down. He didn't save that bus. I'm very disappointed though. Talk about like making me nervous throughout the entire runtime. I'm like, what is? What's going on? What's what is going to happen here? It, it, it did make me lol about uh, the uh, like. You saved those kids from that boss accident, but you couldn't save the boss. Right. Know. Yeah. That made me laugh. <laughs> um, Finn. I really enjoyed that one. That's another one that it had me chuckling throughout the entirety, and that's always a plus. And I thought, it, again, I thought it was really well done. Cool location, cool costuming, acting was great, humor was fantastic, delivered. Like all of these shorts, I'm just like, these shorts delivered, man. Good, good shorts. And then my fourth favorite short film from the WTF shorts block was Variations on a Theme. Mm, that's a good one. Very interesting concept. Executed very well. A little bit of humor in there. And it was really cool. And I always love those um, 
sort of like primer-esque time traveling doubles stories. I really liked variations on a theme. I thought it was, it was really cool and I'm really looking forward to seeing what those filmmakers do next. I would like to see that as a feature length. Yeah. I think it has enough legs to really dive in. Yeah. So like see where did it start and then multiply, multiply, multiply and then how they can... Do you contain it? Yeah. How many murders have to take place? When do you call like the CDC? Like, just them. It's just them. It's, I mean, you could, like, why was he called for jury duty? Can you send one of them to do it for you? So many questions. Yeah, I think I might need a feature for that one. For me, I'll do another W, I'll do a WTF, but not for watch these films. More like, what the F is this? Um, it's kind of a double feature, uh, but the main movie is Once and Future Smash. It's kind of based off the, uh, there's another movie that came with the festival called End Zone 2. Mm-hmm. It's from the 70s, and I can't do the quotations enough. <laughs> um, where, like, it's a movie that, it's the first hour, and then, then there's no more footage after that. Hmm. So in Once a Future Smash, it's about that movie, um, and how it's affected the, um, the horror community. Like, they have, like, legit actors and legit directors and legit writers on there doing talk. It's basically a mockumentary of those hard documentaries that you see. But the main plot revolves around these two actors. Their names are Mikey Smash, played by Michael St. Michaels, who was in Gracie Strangler, and William Mouth. So both of them... Smash was the, the character, the Jason Voorhees character's name is Smash Mouth. They're all stars, obviously. Uh, so William Smash is credited as playing Smash Mouth, but William Mouth was Smash Mouth, but it was never credited. So people are like, "What?" Mm. And he has a he has like a shirt. Is it like a Jason right? Voorhees type type yes. rip? Jason yeah. Voorhees, Michael Myers, that yeah. kind of rip, uh, where. Uh, for some reason, William Mouth thinks, like, he has a shirt that says, Touchdown, because it's a... End zone, yeah. Slasher. Yeah. Um, so the whole movie, he's like, Touchdown! Touchdown! And <laughs> like, people are talking heads, like, he just keeps saying, Touchdown. I and saw the course, Discord going crazy during that double feature. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see it between, you know, work and all of the things. But the Discord channel was going nuts during the, oh, yeah, the watch party for that. It's making fun of those horror documentaries. It's making fun of horror co- conventions. Um, it also has a little bit of like, it's a little surrealistic at times. There's one part, it's like a bubbly grip, I guess. There's one part where they have like the investor that's going to make a reboot of it. And he has, how can I say it? Trauma acting. Mm. A little over the top, a little bit, just like talking a mile a minute. But everything else is set in reality. It kind of like just juxtaposes a little bit. It's not good to tell me not to tell you to watch it, but I thought that was like, oh, kind of was jarring. But then Uncle Lloyd showed up. Aww. So it's all it's all good. Uncle, Uncle Lloyd. Lloyd. God, I haven't seen him in years. He's still he's still Uncle Lloyd. He's still uncling. He's still uncling. <laughs> <laughs> he's still uncling. Yeah. Once this future smash, I'd say you probably just need to watch that. You don't need to see Enzo into it. I don't think you need it. They, 
They show all the clips from N7-2 <laughs> on Monsters of Smash. That's good to know. My last but not least shorts showcase is Dangerous Visions, which was my favorite shorts block. Sorry. Sorry to all the other shorts blocks. I love you, but this was my favorite one. We have Dead Enders. Mm, Yes. Yes, that's on my list of favorite shorts, too. That was cool. That was really cool. I loved the whole aesthetic of it. I thought the acting was great. I thought that the parasites looked awesome. I also sort of like how the story wraps up. It has a little bit of a message there. But it was really cool. I just like the whole vibe of it. It's funny how it ends. It ends open-ended. Mm. I do like when the parasites grab them and they're in like an alternative world. Yeah. I thought that was really well shot and well lit. And that was really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Another one that I loved from the Dangerous Visions block was Splinter. Mm, yes. God, Love it. so good. It were, like it should have been like a Twilight Zone segment. It won the, the jury pick for Dangerous Visions that short. Um, it's directed by Mark Bernard who does. He's like on podcasts with Kevin Smith a lot. Hmm. Yeah, he's actually a very like talented writer. He did like Star Trek and stuff like that. Which I think is interesting. He did Splitters, which is very kind of like Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, maybe uh, the weirder Star Trek kind of episodes. Yeah. I love this. I love this short. The basic plot is that there's a kid who, what's he, 10? Yeah. Yeah, a 10 year old boy who is in an airplane and he has to stay in the air. If he touches down on Earth, he instantly causes rage amongst whoever is near him. And it spreads very quickly, so they keep him in the air. It has a little bit of um, the omen. I got like a little bit of omen from that. Um, is he the son of Satan? Like, is he what? What's happening? Is he causing uh, demons to come about? Is it apocalypse? What's what's happening? You don't know. It's a short film. You don't find out. It leaves a lot of questions. The acting was great. I thought the set was great. If you plop that into the newer Twilight Zone episodes, I'd be like, oh, that was like an episode of Twilight Zone. Or like, <laughs> the, I guess more accurate these days would be Black Mirror or something like that. Yeah, I thought that was great. There's also the great moment of like the dilemma of the agent. Mm-hmm. Like, of like, do I say this, this kid's important, but also like humanity is important. So right. what is more important? To them? Yeah, that's just awesome all around. I love that one. My next favorite is, they call it Red Cemetery. I figured you'd put this in there. Really cool. Like, really cool, like, spaghetti western, a little bit of humor, twist. Again, I love the spaghetti aesthetic. I thought everything was on point. The camera work, the music, the acting, the dialogue, everything was just everything that I love. So I... Really, 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 really love that short film. Oh, yeah. That was a very one of the most authentic looking shorts I've ever uh, watched. Uh, I watched this year on the festival. It also made me immediately want to watch Let the Corpses Tan. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. The grain, the film grain, I immediately was like, oh, I want to watch that movie again for like the 10th time. We, um, yeah, I, I remember seeing that. You, it was it was us in a group, I think. It was late at night, and I remember being like half asleep, 
And I was like, but this movie is awesome. So I had seen it at Fantastic Fest years ago, and then like two years later, it played Maryland Film Festival. That's what it was. Um, and we Film saw Festival. it at Maryland, yeah, and then we saw it with a group um, at Maryland Film Festival, and it was one of the later showings. Yeah, God, let the corpses tan. Listeners, if you have not seen that film, watch it. This is my last short that I'm shouting out on this episode from the Dangerous Visions showcase. Gnomes. Oh my God. Which apparently has gotten greenlit for a feature. I'm going to say it. My jaw dropped and stayed open for the, from the, the knife into the ankle to the end. My jaw was just. Killer gnomes. That's all I really need to say. Watch the short film if it comes across your radar. Watch the feature when it comes out. Um, I'll be there. I tackled. I laughed out loud hard. Yeah, for sure. Especially with, like, the lawnmower thing and the intestines. What? Yeah, the mushrooms. What? What? Just love it. Love it. Just kiss. (laughs) I noticed uh, you didn't mention one short. Content the lo-fi man. People love that one. I loved how it just went. I knew life. you would like it. Oh, yes. I knew you oh, would yes. like it. You had me at Tetsuo, bro. You had exactly. me at Tetsuo. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, the content thing, how it turned into a YouTube video into, like, a They Live thing, turned into a kaiju battle. Not really a kaiju battle, but, like, a Power Rangers-esque Super Sentai kind of fight. Bron Loretto did it. I think it won Best Short. Good content. Good <laughs> Content. For sure. Haunted at Hype House. I enjoyed American Meltdown, stuff like that. Deadass. That was quoted a lot on Discord. <laughs> I think but that was like me, the saying of the festival. It was. Yes, yeah. I, I think it actually won. But I'd say my favorite movie was Hell Hath No Fury. Mine um, too. That's your, that was your favorite movie? Yeah. It, I thought it was just really really good it reminded me of brit humor yes and the comedic timing and the line deliveries it delivered it's funny (laughs) it's funny you said brit comedy because i was thinking to myself like hmm the husband could definitely be played by david douglas i think um but shout out to leah nh flippot uh everyone else was great in the film but i thought her as Priscilla, the wife, was so <laughs> good. Also, let's shout out Carl Just Carl. Carl Just Carl. <laughs> Best poetry I've ever seen in a film. That he um, gets at the end credits. That's his end credit. Carl yes. Just Carl. <laughs> That's just his crayon letterbox, too. <laughs> I thought, like, it, it kind of teeters in the third act for me, but it lands the ending yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah. Chattanooga's doing really well with Christmas films, I'm mm-hmm. uh, The Leech was last year, I believe. Was that? Yeah, it was last year. I highly, highly enjoyed this film. Great performances. Simple. The Neighbors, of course. The I Neighbors, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. like, what's going on over there? What's going on? Let's <laughs> open the blinds. Mm-hmm. So the award winners from this year's festival include the Grand Jury Prize winner, Content the Lo-Fi Man for Best Short Film, American Meltdown for Best Feature Film, Tearsucker took home the Dangerous Visions Award, and Sour Party won the Audience Award, amongst all of the other winners that we've mentioned so far on this episode. 
Did you see Golden Mud? I did. A Tati? Tati. So this is what happens to Tati after Los Spookies. I miss Los Spookies. I miss Los Spookies so much. So if H or Warner Discovery, if you're listening to this right now, along with Chattanooga Film Festival, please bring back Los Spookies. So good. Makes me sad. But Tati. Tati. That's Tati. all I'll say about the Chattanooga. I'll leave it at Tati. <laughs> Chattanooga Film Festival is entirely volunteer-run, not-for-profit film festival committed to sharing strange and special genre cinema of all types and ushering in a new era of film festivals. It's built around values of kindness, inclusivity, and accessibility. I don't know about you, but I'm already missing the festival and all the wonderful conversations it generated. I'm not a huge Discord person. I'm not on social media a lot, but I've really made it a point to pop into the chats and just see what everyone had to say. There were a lot of films, especially short films, that I prioritized strictly based on word of mouth, what people were saying about it. It makes me incredibly happy to announce that Chattanooga Film Festival has a Patreon page. It's totally new. It's like a week and a half old. It was announced during the festival. With four levels to choose from, ranging from $2 a month to $15 a month, you now have the opportunity to not only help fund an amazing festival, but you can take part in monthly secret screening watch parties and receive handcrafted, staff-picked film guides. Every dollar raised by this awesome Patreon page goes directly into the staging of the festival. Plus, if you sign up for the $15 level, you'll receive double secret early bird access to pre-order your badge for next year's Chattanooga Film Festival at a special Chattanooga BFF discounted rate. So again, you get all kinds of great stuff. You get screening, secret screening parties, monthly film guides, and you get a discount on on next year's badge, which you're probably already going to buy if you're a member of the Patreon it's definitely fun. Uh, it's the Patreon. Uh, it's actually something I'm looking into. But we've been we've been doing Chattanooga for three years. The past three years since the pandemic started, Chattanooga has been highlight of the year, definitely for film wise. So there's yeah. two people here that you listen to. Yeah, saying, check it out. I signed up. There's four tiers. It's like two dollars, five dollars, ten, and fifteen. I signed up for the ten dollar a month. Because I didn't see that you had to click an arrow for another, <laughs> for the 15. So I'm, I need to change my, <laughs> change my level. But I'm definitely looking forward to those watch parties on the 13th of the month, every month. For more information on how to join the Double Secret Cinema Society, head on over to patreon.com backslash Chattanooga Film Festival. I miss it. For the Jollo of the month, I am taking a trip to 1977 to review Crazy Desires of a Murderer. In Crazy Desires of a Murderer, a rich young lady invites a few of her friends, including one she befriended during a recent trip to Asia, to her family manor to spend the weekend. Soon, someone gets horribly killed and secrets and dark desires begin to unravel. This episode will contain spoilers. If you'd like to watch Crazy Desires of a Murderer before listening, the film is available in Italian with subtitles on Shudder and Tubi. This is your trigger warning. This film features a room filled with taxidermy animals and one on-screen animal mutilation. 
There's also a scene where someone takes sexual advantage of a man who may or may not be mentally challenged. After a trip abroad, Alina makes a call to return home to Italy with her friends to the family castle and her ailing father, the Baron. The wheelchair-bound old man refuses to allow his daughter to invite her friends to party, but she does so anyway. During an evening of dancing and charades, it becomes clear that Alina's friends share a complex history of relationships, debts, and varying levels of mistrust. The group consists of a bunch of wealthy eccentrics, with one friend working on some kind of drug deal where he's attempting to screw his partner out of money. With that, we have a possible motive established, and there's even a creepy relative living in the catacomb basement for good measure. Crazy Desires of Murder contains such jollo elements as peeping toms, close-ups of eyes, jambi whiskey, moments of mistaken identity, and a liberal dose of sex and female nudity. At one point, the group plays what can only be referred to as a pornographic version of charades, where two people have sex in a certain way and the others have to guess which movie they're copying. Then, after that, they all go to the castle rooms and have more sex with different partners than seen during the charades game. The castle itself holds even more secrets, such as Alina's aforementioned half-brother who's watched over by a maid who controls him with sex. Not long after the unwanted visitors show up, a deranged killer begins murdering people, starting with a sexy blonde, and cuts out her eyeballs. After the centerpiece murder, a detective arrives to investigate, and the film basically turns into a episode of Columbo for the remainder of the runtime. The detective takes over as the lead character and leaves the rest of the cast in the background until the killer is revealed in the final five minutes of the film. With a runtime of 89 minutes, there are six kills total. It takes about 40 minutes before the first big murder happens, but the pace is about one murder every 14 minutes. It's an impressive body count for a late cycle giallo, though the kills are mostly side characters and there's not a ton of gore. We have two murders by gun and four by knife. One murder is actually a flashback that occurs before the main action of the film starts. When all is said and done, we have five men and two women murdered by three separate killers. Also known in Italy as the morbid vices of a housekeeper and the morbid habits of the governess, the film is more well known as Crazy Desires of a Murderer. This title does make sense, unlike many films in this subgenre that just throw an animal name in there and they're just long and convoluted. Crazy Desires of a Murderer is pretty generic, and just about any giallo could be named that. But the original Italian title of uh, Morbid Vices of a Housekeeper and the Morbid Habits of the Governess give away the plot and give away the reveal of the killer. So I think it's best left to be generic in this case. There are not many details available surrounding the production and theatrical reception of this film. Possibly a reason for its strong mix of gothic and erotic components, Crazy Desires of a Murderer was most likely filmed around 1972 or 1973, but not released until 1977. This is a lesser-known jolly, hence being part of Vinegar Syndrome's third volume of Forgotten Jolly Films. These volumes are amazing, I would love to have my hands on all of them one day, never released theatrically in the English-speaking world, and virtually unavailable on home video. Vinegar Syndrome provides a newly restored 4K version from the film's original 35mm negative. 
Written by Ambrosio Maltini, who also penned the Emmanuel films discussed on the Murder Obsession episode of this podcast, this film feels like a return to Jolly of a different era. Aside from the close-up of eyeballs being removed and the one scene of animal mutilation, there's not much gore, and there are long stretches between the nude scenes. This one takes a few prolonged, slow breaks between the more risque adult scenes, and it does feature a Columbo-like detective. It's more of a throwback feel to the earlier days where police involvement was much more prominent. Crazy Desires of a Murder seems to find its roots in old-fashioned, lock-room, gothic murder mysteries. Overall, it's an admirable attempt to blend the old with the new, but the blend could have used a little bit more fine-tuning. This is not one of my favorite Jolly, it's not in my top 10 at all, but I would say if you're a completionist and you're looking to fill those gaps in your Jollo viewing, please give Crazy Desires of a Murderer a watch on Shudder or Tubi. Wade, thank you for being on and sharing your feature reviews and all of your thoughts on Chattanooga Film Festival. I know you'll be back in a year, and hopefully I'll see you every month at the watch party. No, duh. I mean, I'm going to be here for the, the end of the year things so don't forget for sure I'm not gone from childhood for a year Tales from the Podcrypt is back we're back uh, after a little bit of hiatus um, I kind of wanted to retool and reformat the podcast um, and that's what we did we have done two episodes uh, so far we did the most recent one was the sacrifice as of this recording uh, after this you know by now, for crying out loud, probably out. Four side triangles out. Um, we're just gonna keep ramping up the podcast. It's on uh, Anchor, Spotify, I, iTunes, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five star review. Also follow us on Instagram, which is Tales from the Podcrypt. I make silly art for the episodes, <laughs> so check that out. You can follow me personally, Sweet Guy. On Instagram, you can follow me on Letterbox, Sweet MCP. You can check out my short film, Butterfly Black Belt, which Diana here is an associate producer on. It's a Jalo inspired short film. Amazing uh, promotional art. Yes, yes, amazing for the price of Scuria Land. Uh, and music by Jen Tone and check her out on Spotify. Ooh, shout out to Suspiria Land, who is now a friend of the podcast on over on Instagram. Hell yeah, she is a, a wonderful, they are a wonderful artist. Yeah, for uh, sure. To check out, buy their art. I have some of their art somewhere. Uh, we're recording right now, and my, my, my short film's art is right framed behind me, so... Check that out. You can also buy the DVD on minkadishproductions.square.site. I will eventually try putting on digital. I think it's that time to put it digitally. You can check out the rest of the Minkadish Production stuff, youtube.com slash minkadishproductions. We do the Criterion stuff. I'm going to be uploading some Tales from the Podcrypt stuff eventually. Uh, other short films we've done, all kinds of fun stuff. All there. I must once again promote the wonderful fest that is the Chattanooga Film Festival as well as its newly created Patreon page. A giant shout-out goes to the festival director, Chris Dorch, and his small but mighty festival team. They're great. Chattanooga Film Festival is an entirely volunteer-run 501c3 nonprofit with a mission to make the future of film festivals in the festival industry kinder, more inclusive, and most importantly, more accessible. 
They're about celebrating films and filmmakers, not the film industry. They're all about cinema. Cinephiles, it's like cinema camp. It's really, really fun. Like, I can't express that enough, even virtually, just how much fun I have. Oh, also, shout out to the chats who did the theme music. Yes. I was like, oh, I know that band. I've heard that band (laughs) many times. Summer Lightning. By supporting creators that you love on Patreon, you're becoming an active participant in their creative process. As a member of the Chattanooga Film Festival Secret Film Society page, you receive exclusive content, community access, behind-the-scenes updates, and the pride of fueling work that matters to you. For more information on Chattanooga Film Festival's Patreon and how to join the Double Secret Cinema Society, head on over to patreon.com backslash Chattanooga Film Festival. Jollo of the Month Club is now on Letterboxd. You can follow the list titled Jollo of the Month Club for every movie you've reviewed on the podcast. You can also follow on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, I guess. Is that even still a thing? I don't know. When is this episode coming out? As of this recording, <laughs> as of July 6th, Twitter is still a thing. Still a thing, but there's also like two more things that I'm not signed up for. I don't know. But anyway, as of right now, Jalo Month Club is on Twitter and Instagram at Jalo Club. You can follow for Joe Bob Friday updates. You can follow for Chattanooga Film Festival updates. Fantastic Festival will be happening in a few months. I'll be updating from that film festival. And just general Jalo goodness. Logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. You can find his Etsy shop at Retirement Funds. Theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. You can follow myself, your host, who has lost her voice as of a few days ago, and I just now am mentioning that I'm not feeling great, and I'm pushing through this episode. (laughs) Follow myself on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. That's all I have so far. I don't have threads. I don't have... What's the other one? I don't know. I don't know. What there's threads and then there's Zanga. Zanga? Oh, uh, there's MySpace. Tom is making a comeback. You can follow me, your host Diana, at Diana NK. Pro tip: If you follow me over on Letterboxd, you'll likely know which movie will be featured on the next episode before it is announced. Because I usually don't put it out there, and then I just watch it and log it, and then, surprise, here's an episode. I also reviewed and logged everything that I watched at Chattanooga Film Festival, so if that's of any interest to you, follow me over on Letterboxd. I love it. I feel like every other social media platform can die. Letterboxd just needs to survive. Yes. Letterboxd should always survive. Wade, thank you so much for being on this episode. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dexter. Always. Dexter the cat for making an appearance. He's, he's getting antsy. He's trying to bite my hand. Okay. Well, it has been an hour. Please <laughs> <laughs> He just wants treats. You've been listening to Jello Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. I'm waiting.